Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, what's up? It's your boy, Joel Ortiz. And I want everybody to make sure that they subscribe and download the podcast, Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Einenko. Yo, Tim, I hope all is well. You my guy. I know these interviews are not interviews. They're actually conversations, and I appreciate them all. Yeah, well. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ice-T. I want you to do something for me. Make sure you download and subscribe Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews. With Tim I and Cal. It is oh fucking official. Alright? Stop playing. Download and subscribe. Library rap. The hip hop interviews with Tim I and Cal. It's cold. Let alone you get stung by bees. Lord Jesus, your chest just might freeze up. Organized confusion, solo artist, lyricist, genius. He's Farrah Monch, and I want to welcome him to the library with Tim Ryan and Kel and allhiphop.com. Farrah Monch, thank you so much for joining me today. Peace, peace. What's good, man? Thank you. Thank you, thank you. So um, I want to start. In 1992, Common released his debut album, Can I Borrow a Dollar? Uh, that same year, The Beat Nuts, Common, No ID, Artifacts, and Organized Confusion all went on a tour together, all essentially in the beginning stages of their career. Um, one, do you remember that tour? And uh, two, from those days, what what kind of have you taken away about the, the early stages of your touring life? I definitely remember. I still have a, a poster up down here, as a matter of fact, from that tour, Best of the Underground Tour. And uh, we we are actually, what was dope about it is we, we, we grinded it out. We drove ourselves around. We had rented these vans and all the artists pretty much drove themselves from city to city on that tour. So it was kind of like my first taste of what it feels like to really get out on the road as an underground, you know, group and get out there and grind. And that was a good experience. Uh you know, you guys are all relatively, you know, new, I guess, new at the beginning in your, of your career. What did you, what did you know about Common? What did you know about Beat Nuts, Artifacts, No ID, kind of prior to the tour? And what impressed you most at that stage? What impressed you most about each of them? Um, I think we were all kind of cut from the same cloth of trying to make records that would stand the test of time. Uh, we were all fans of each other. Like, we were all familiar with each other's works and stuff like that. Matter of fact, and um, I used to love her video. Common has the Organized Confusion album cover as one of the covers that he features in that video, mm-hmm. which I always thought was dope. 
Um, but yeah, man, everybody was 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 putting it in, grinding hard on stage, committed to the tour, and um, you know, going to the next level. So, uh, so your first album, your debut album, solo album, uh, Eternal Affairs, would will be legally able to drink this coming October. Looking back at it, what were kind of some of the highlights for you of recording that album? Uh, is there anything you wish you kind of did better? Or looking back, uh, what was and also what was your favorite lyric from that album? Lyric? I, I don't know if I have one. That, that they all kind of there for different reasons, right? Um, I think uh, you know I love I love the record. Um, it was liberating. I kind of went in and vomited all of uh, my thoughts that I had over accumulated over a period of time. And uh, kind of feels that way. Uh, super hard, super edgy. You know, it was dark, dark hip hop. I like dark hip hop. So, um, you know, I had a uh, Buck Wild on the show, and uh, we he told a story about. Uh, uh, you know, he, he talked about you and Unruckus Records, and he kind of praised your uh, writing skills and talks about how. He he think you you helped raise your persona and persona of Ruckus Records. Um, before I ask you about Rucker, Ruckus Records, what how did you learn your songwriting skills? I mean, what was that? I mean, um, is it something you're constantly trying to improve? Uh, do you have a kind of a formula of what you do? Constantly, constantly working on that. But what helps me is I, I look at it like a process, an editing process, and so uh, depending on the song. I'll go in there and I'll do something really raw and that might work uh, depending on the song. I'll take, you know, my time writing it, scripting it and edit it down, you know, as the film gets ready, I say, and, and things land on the cutting room floor, you know, as I'm trying to paint a picture, you know, some of the, some of the songs, the most of the songs that I do are lyrics from like three, four, five, years ago i write all the time and then I, I i put things together and i paste things sometimes you know it, it, it comes organically i'll get a beat i'll see the whole vision and you know i could write it in you know right there on the spot but uh it, i try to lend myself to be open to going to wherever the process draws me for that particular song if that makes any sense yeah, how does how does that work? I mean, I know I know I, I read in uh, How to Rap, the Paul Edwards book. Uh, kind of OC talked about your writing process so well, and said talked about stuff like you would have lyrics from five years ago, and you would kind of put them in. Uh, one, how, where are you saving them? <laughs> uh, uh, you know, are you writing them on a journal and you know on a computer or texting? It Some are, so, so most of them are in books. Uh, transferred a lot of stuff to to the phone now. So like, thank thank God for the cloud because I've lost my phone a couple of times and I, I got <laughs> stuff from ten years ago in these books and then in the cloud now. So um, if I hear a particular song, I'll, I'll just reference, go through them and look, or I'll just write organically right there on the spot. Like I said, so you know, uh, depends on it depends on the vibe of the record, you know. Mm -hmm. um if you were to look at your, I always had this funny idea when I talk to people about you as a lyricist, I always go, Oh, it'd be great just to kind of connect things to Farrah brain 
and then see what comes out and like let that be an interview or let that be a podcast. So if we were to take your your lyrics and kind of see them as a puzzle. Uh, today, what do you think has been the most kind of song you've had that's kind of been the most complicated puzzle? Like where you're, you know, you're you're grabbing a puzzle piece lyric from three years ago and connecting with a puzzle piece from maybe two years ago and so on and so on. Man, you know, that could be the most, it could literally be the most simplest song that you, like, it would sound like, oh, he freestyled, you know, this record. It's so simple. Or it could be the most stacked, complicated, you know, song with subject matter and content that needed to be researched. You know, sometimes I'll come up with a line or get inspired and research something on the spot and just store it, you know, and have it if I don't have a beat in place at the time. Um, you know, but the most, oh, man, that's, that's pretty rough. You know, a lot of things on that, that War album, um, you know, I was I was doing a lot of research on that and took my time and made sure I was accurate with the content that I wanted to speak about. So I would say uh, maybe stuff like Evolve and Calculated Amalgamation and, you know, a lot of things on that War album. Mm. Um, I want to go back to Ruckus Records. I know when, you know, Ruckus was first out with, you know, you, Quali, uh, you know, sound bombing and all that stuff. You know, I know the underground world, the fans were just kind of, you know, blown away and always wanted more and more. Uh, but when you first signed with them, what were your plans for yourself when you first signed for them? What did you want to achieve as an artist? And what were you able to achieve as an artist being under Ruckus? Um. It was an interesting time. And I, I think when you think about Internal Affairs 99, you got to kind of think about what was going on in the entire landscape of hip hop at the time. It was a lot of like crossover radio stuff at the time that was popping. And um, I think Raucous was a breath of fresh air for, for hip hop in terms of artists who were really looking to achieve that radio success necessarily. Um, but just for me, I was looking at the landscape of it and I felt like I could deliver some dark records that, that could also compete on that level with what was happening at the time. I knew they would give me the freedom to, to like spread out and branch out, you know, actually it was, uh, Kuali who recommended the label. You know, I was going uh, to Brooklyn a lot to watch him and most perform at the bookstore uh, in Kuro. And, uh, in Kuro. And, you know, he was like, what, what are you doing right now? And I was like, I'm working on a solo record. And he was like, you might want to check these guys out. So um, it worked out for the most part. I'm going to be, uh, I have to go, I want to go back a little bit to, um, you know, Buckwild talks about, uh, he talk, we, talk, we of course talked about OC and we talked about uh, OC releasing Time's Up. And then uh, Buckwild mentions that the Time's Up beat was actually originally supposed to be your song. Uh, do you remember that being the case? And um, what did you think after you heard uh, OC's version, you know, OC's Time's Up? Um, yeah, I, I had the record. A friend of mine gave me the record. Uh, prestige and um, you know looped it up just to you know loop the beat see see what it would feel like to to write to it um, wrote a couple of things and I just 
I just felt it wasn't wasn't for us. Like it wasn't I wasn't feeling what I was writing. So I was like, yo, what you think? You know what I mean? Like check this out. Like I, I hear you on this. And uh got with Buck Buck Wild and Buck Wild uh chopped it up and flipped it and I heard it and I was like, you know, this is what music is about, like the marriage just what OC did over that record is, is, is timeless. That's why it still lasts to this day. That's the goal of an artist, you know? So even as an artist myself, I was like, it's not just about um, finding some track and putting some raps on it. It's about where's the proper marriage going to happen at? Who's the proper artist to uh, get on the song? Even with features that I do, I'm constantly like, you know, I have a lot of people at my disposal who I call on to get on songs, but you always want to try to make the right choice. Mm. I want to ask you, uh, you know, a little later about your features, because I know, you know, through our conversations that you, you talk about quote unquote, how particular you are when you want people to be, uh, be on your so uh, albums and your songs. Um, but I want to ask you about uh, the gifts and the curse of something, uh, you know, Simon says off of internal affairs, you know, hit 97 of Billboard's top 100. Um, what is that? What is that? What did that mean for you when that happened? But then what, what does that mean for you as an artist in terms of expectations, I guess, and maybe a gift and, and the curse behind getting, being so successful? Um, I think looking back right now, it probably balances out in a sense as a gift and a curse. Obviously it got me insane notoriety and it was, uh, my biggest record to date and so you have to look at it at that sense uh what's what's the the curse of it is where i could possibly be if that record was cleared and it it went on to carry on the momentum that it had because when everything uh went down legally with the song it still had incredible momentum uh, uh as a record it was still charting and obviously you know, still performing the song to this day. So uh, in that sense, it was, uh, you know, a curse that uh, from a financial standpoint, as well as a, a career standpoint. Um, but it didn't take away from the, the record being created, which is amazing to me that, um, you know, I still hear DJs play it and I'm still in arenas and seeing people respond to the song and just, just people respond to the song still or discover the song for the first time, you know, lately. And it's, it's just amazing to see how people react to a record that's 20 years old. Uh, during the interview, Buckwell talked about Simon Says and he said for, quote, uh, about the song, he said, quote, much, that's like an ABC rap, but he crafted it together so well as a songwriter because he did so much intricate lyrical things that they praised him for. So can you actually just take us into this, this the songwriting price, process, especially for Simon Says? What were some of the challenges? Shout out to, shout out to Buck Wild. Um, when I finished recording the song, he was one <laughs> of the first people I took it to, drove to the Bronx, and I played him the record, and he was like, it was just out of here. He was like, this is amazing. Like he was, he was blown away. But I mean, um, there was a lot of psychology that was put into that record and thought process that was put into that record in terms of um, 
you know, the beat being driving and the beat having an intro, uh, I thought about uh, choruses that are directional and choruses that always work, like left, right, up, down, hands up, to the left, to the left, uh, choruses that tell people what to do. And I was like, uh, you know, really just, you know, having the beat in a machine and just sitting back and listening to the beat. I said to myself, really, you can only fuck this song up, you know, mm-hmm. and you have to tell people what to do. So you have to think of a way, you know, a, a, a kind of a fly way to tell people what to do. And then that brought me to the game Simon Says, which was about telling people what to do. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, just to be commanding on stage, like a, like a good hip hop record, you know, throw your hands in there, like, you know, you know what I'm saying. And then, um, you know, from that point, I wanted to bridge the verses into classic hip hop that um, I loved growing up where I would be forced to kind of remember the rhymes. And uh, I think it's a way to stitch things together that make people want to learn a verse and it's not an easy thing to do. People might think um, simplifying a song is the way to go to do it, but it's a way that it it's together. Like like uh, Buck was saying, the the punches have to land in a certain place for the people for the listener to feel empowered mm-hmm. to want to say the verse over. And I grow I, I grew up like learning LL rhymes and learning you know Rakim lines and you know so I just went back to that. Um, coming from the avant-garde way to stitch things together from organized confusion, fusion, you know, I was like, let's go a little further back than that and try to put something together that, you know, um, eventually people could say the say the line, say the verse with me, and it would be just as catchy as the chorus. When you performed it uh, live for the first time, uh, were you? I guess surprised by the reaction of were you more surprised by the reaction of the crowd uh, than you um, would be? It's a, it's a it's a weird thing with that song. I, I knew what it was with cooking it up. I just was like, this is how I would react if someone came out and did the song. And I hadn't even written it yet, so I knew it had that potential. So when I saw uh the response you know, I, it, it was just right in line with what I had seen in the beginning when I imagined what the song could be. You know, it was a stadium record, and a lot of cats were trying to make stadium records back then. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Uh, I have, uh, I promise you, I have one more Buckwild related question, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is always, uh, when you talk to artists and you, you hear that you hear when they're surprised that a fellow artist that they respect so much is actually a fan of them. Uh, Buck tells a story about how he told you once that uh, Biggie was a, what, you were one of Biggie's favorite MCs. 
Uh, do you remember that story, him telling you that story? And what was your initial reaction when he told you? Um, I was blown away. Also, I was kind of heartbroken because um, I was such a big fan of his. I wanted him to hear that project, especially Simon Says. And unfortunately, he had passed before the record was released. And um, I kicked it with him once. So uh, I'm a good, you know, at reading people's energy. I was at a light and him and C's pulled up in a van and he saw me and he literally got out at the light, came around the, the, the truck and we got out and we dapped up, we dapped it up and we, we kicked it for a minute. Mm. So I knew what type of person he was and I knew he was a lover of MCs, you know, uh, with organized confusion. I had, I had heard it rumored that he was like, yeah, you know, I fuck with those dudes. And although they're on some real, you know, Marvel comic, you know, uh, whatever shit he could relate because we all know, you know, the spectrum and the full colors of people in the hood or family or whatever. And when you're honest about what you do or who you are, I think it translates. I think during that time, people got uh, the jiggy artists and, and a lot of popular artists uh, confused. You know, I think uh, a lot of the underground artists were really fans of a lot of those guys as well, and, and vice versa. I remember Cypher, uh, DJ Cypher, telling us that uh, while he was rocking with them, they would be playing a lot of our stuff, and they would they would have those albums, those raucous albums, in the truck and in the in the whips, banging them out. And so it just you know it just stood the reason that you know a lot of things got misconstrued when it came to that. But when Buckwell told me that, man, it was, it was an honor. You know, he had asthma as well. Buckwell told me a story about, uh, it was hot one day and they didn't have air conditioning in the booth. And, uh, you know, he was in there and he had forgot his inhaler and they were calling him to do a lyric over and he wasn't responding. And they went in there and he, uh, was passed out on the floor. So he was also, it, it bugged him out to, to find out that I had asthma as well, based on the way that I rhyme. Was there a, I mean, uh, was there a track that, maybe a song that Biggie created that you kind of wish you might have even been on a fly in the wall to watch him do, to watch him write? Probably unbelievable, mm-hmm. you know, probably unbelievable. Um. Farrell, I want to turn to your, uh, especially because around this time, I want to turn to, you know, your album PTSD. Uh, it addressed the PTSD of people of color experience. Just not just, just, you know, I think we talked about before, just from living life. Um, where do you think we are in terms of openly being able to have that discussion within our communities of PTSD, not from war, but from violence we see on TV, from, you know, anything traumatic that we we've experienced? Yeah, I think we're just now realizing that uh, how layered the, the topic is and how deep it could go, you know, even with, um, you know, what's happening now in the news, you know, watching it over and over. It's just, you know, people are talking about how they can feel the weight of the, seeing that uh, person get murdered mm-hmm. uh, on TV. Uh, 
they can feel that in their, their their soul and in their emotions and that's exactly uh you know what the record was touching upon and i think what we're becoming to realize now uh across the board is that you know you grow up a certain way in a certain neighborhood and you know you feel like you become accustomed to things but it really shouldn't be that way a lot of traumas that uh i've witnessed you know just growing up in new york city in the hood you know um you you feel like you should uh live with them but we have to work at like getting rid of some of those traumas and some of that bad energy and i think it's 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 coming to the light now that uh you know a lot of people are realizing that and awakening to that whole idea uh you know a few years back i interviewed about ptsd and you talked about how prior to writing the album you were writing very uh, metaphorically mm-hmm. uh, and ptsd became a very uh, uh, you're writing from personal standpoint mm-hmm. uh, are you do you think you're ever going to go back to kind of writing metaphorically or is it at this point in your career that you have to write personal um no i i what i love is sci-fi dystopian or just trying to just trying to be ahead of my time not so much technically but even in the thought process of where things are going and so the the current project that's about to release soon you know it reads like a script to what's happening now and you know we've been working on it for a minute a lot of the stuff is uh obviously like like we said in the beginning of the interview i wrote a while ago and it's scary how um a lot of the subject matter is on point um not just with uh you know uh, george floyd and ahmad and uh things of that nature but just in terms of where the planet is going where our thought process and our politics and socially where we're going as humans and our relationships with one another um i think if you're if that type of writer it's important for you to predict but also write it in a way where it's not that far-fetched it could be a possibility and so that's what i like about uh you know marvel or sci-fi you know you you, you see the ridiculous of uh interspace interplanetary travel with star wars back when they wrote it and you know we're we're just stepping upon that in the moment right now or blazer guns or what have you or you know the different ways that they wrote that that at the time people were probably like this is crazy but you know it's come to pass uh speaking of which we're talking about uh you know in the wake of george floyd uh do you think this time is do you think this time is different? I mean, do you think, I mean, we see the, you know, the outrage on the streets, but do you think we're at a point where we've reached kind of a critical mass with just kind of the murder of, you know, young black men of, by police officers, just black people by police officers? Or do you or, or do you think it's going to be something where there's outrage and then we kind of, you know, move on again from there? Um, yeah, it's definitely different because it's, it's definitely the first of its kind, not obviously the killing of an unarmed black man, but the way that this has transpired, it just, 
it's, it's, uh, you know, unfathomable that there would be a pandemic. People would be home from work. There would be no sports, no entertainment, no concerts, nothing for you to resort back to to kind of get away from the news cycle, which in turn, you know, keeps the focus on the subject. And I think uh, the way that it happened and the way that it filmed with the bystanders pleading and him pleading uh, really shined a spotlight on the matter. And, uh, you know, I think people from all walks of life are pretty upset and are screaming out for change because that was uh, horrific and uh, he should still be here. Do you think the, I mean, if we look at the hip hop community and how the hip hop community has responded, do you think they've responded the same to these tragedies or is this kind of within the hip hop community, do you think it's been a different response this time around as well? I think um, I see people being a little more persistent than in the past with it. You know, in the past, we would have to go to our jobs. You know, at some point, I would have to get on a plane and leave the country or, you know, not be at it, you know, 24, 24 hours a day. I think I'm seeing more persistence and I think we're wiser in, in how this is going to play out. And so I think artists are going to strategize and, and, you know, how they're going to try to keep the momentum and put the, the, the pressure on, you know, the legislation and see it through that it's not just a, you know, thing that dies down. Because I'm trying to see man united without reference to the soccer team. My philosophy, prophecy, the opposite of Mephistopheles, the inside of the Sosceles, set the earth to warn of environmental atrocities, and nobody can copy me. Stop. It's not possible, but probable that it's only philosophical mockery. Strange. Change copper to gold. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.